at Anderson. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome in. Greetings on a Monday morning. It is 6.08 this October 9th, 2023. We are starting out your day at 45 degrees in the capital city. As uh, yeah, I think the uh, cool down is going to continue to uh, continue to roll on here for the coming days. Uh, got a uh, busy show for you today. Lot to lot to get to today. Uh, Nebraska football gets a victory on Friday night, so we will uh, we will discuss. We will recap that. We will look forward as Nebraska goes into the bye week this week. A little bit. We'll also talk to Mike Schaefer about that at eight thirty five. We'll talk about Nebraska news and politics with Tim Ruza coming up at eight ten. Uh, we have got a new fantasy Huskers this week, and uh, we always do some creative things on the bye week, so you still have a chance to win prizes, even without a Nebraska game. So we'll tell you about what that is going to be today at 6.35. And, of course, we'll count down the five things that you're going to be talking about today with your morning drive. So uh, so a busy one. Uh, boy, a lot to get to here. And um, I do want to get to, to some of the local stuff, some of the some of the more fun stuff. But, boy, it is, it's hard to really think about a whole lot of anything being particularly important right now when you – See what's happening in the news going on in the Middle East, in Israel, uh, in Gaza. Uh, I was driving back yesterday uh, from a wedding that we went to in Iowa uh, for one of my in-laws, cousins-in-law. And so listened to a lot of coverage, kind of did a lot of um, reading, too, on on what was happening during that time. Because, you know, Saturday was kind of busy, and so I didn't really ever sit down and take in everything that happened and not sure the levels that you all did that as well. But my goodness, what a, what a horrendous situation and another huge instability going on in the world right now. Uh, the, the latest, uh, it is, it is certainly worth giving you the latest from the overnight hours. Um, Israel is, is, um, well, as you would expect, Israel is fighting back and they are trying to, as they have put it, essentially paraphrasing them officially to to completely disable Hamas's ability to to lead, to operate, to do any of those things, as well. And they now have said, uh, according to uh, what they have told press officially, that there have been well over a thousand uh, airstrikes since uh, since this all went down in Israel with the attacks in Israel. Um, and man, just like even the the amount of the amount of human loss already that has happened in this thing from the Israelis who are completely innocent victims of this uh, of of the attacks to the fighting that went on from that. Now they're uh, going to be more lives lost and have been more life lives lost. I mean, we're talking about um, talking about what two thousand twenty five hundred already in total with this, according to the numbers. Uh, that Israel has has put forward, um, and so um, the Israeli government formally has declared war. Uh, they've taken significant military steps to retaliate. At that point, um, you they they uh, have still been battling with militants that have been holed up in several locations across the border in Israel. Still, 
um, and they're trying to drive out the the Hamas militants who have been in there. And at the same time, they're trying to figure out exactly what their response is going to be. And you also have uh, a number of the, the, about 130-ish people that have been taken captive and taken back over the border from Israel to Gaza from the attacks over the weekend. Women, uh, children, uh, men, I'm sure, uh, elderly people. I mean, there are all these pictures of this whole thing. Um, include soldiers and civilians, both, uh, mostly Israelis, also some people of other nationalities. I do not know if there have been any reports, if there are any Americans that are in that group or if that's known yet at that point. But you've got 130 people who are uh, into Gaza right now and being held hostage there. So what does just, this mean for the United States for response? Well, the United States is, I mean, ob- obviously they've they've verbally supported Israel. Now, if there's an American hostage in that group, I think things probably change uh, a bit. Right. Um, I don't know. That, that always changes is. the equation. That always changes. Uh, but I know they brought one of the aircraft carriers into the uh, closer into the Mediterranean um, for support. They're obviously not going to get directly involved here at this point. And, I, you know, I think that the thing is, and by no means do I hold myself out, just to say this at the very beginning, by no means do I hold myself out as an expert on the history of the, you know, kind of everything that's happened in this region since uh-huh. England, you know, went away from there and um, the nation of Israel formed. I So I do not hold myself out as that. So I, I don't ever want to try and try and make that case i mean i know a little bit but definitely don't hold myself as an expert it's hard to i think fully grasp what's been going on and all of the tensions that are there without actually having been there but um caleb to to the the question that you asked is the hard part now i think for israel to figure out strategically what to do next is okay you've got this you've got this gaza strip and it's one of the most densely populated areas in the entire world um, this 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 little strip of uh, that that they're kind of going after right now, and you're going after a a group that isn't necessarily a formal government as well, you know, and it, right. it harkens back to some of the you know some of the things that the United States has been through mm-hmm. over the last thirty years as well, and in addition, you've got hostages that are there right now, and they from from my understanding is that is that there are extensive tunnel systems there uh that they might use that uh-huh. they and and so you know how do you do you ne- negotiate a release at this point because the palestinians they uh they want palestinian uh s- prisoners released in exchange is that even on the table i doubt it but what kind of an operation can you do to have some kind of a rescue and not cost the lives of the hostages and then and then the other thing is, if you completely take out, you know, you completely take out the ability of Hamas to have control of that area, what happens with it exactly? I mean, Israel had been in control of it in the past. I don't think they want to again. And so, I mean, all 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 kinds of questions. But all in all, it's just if you if you delved into the details of what happened, it is just completely disconcerting and gruesome um and yeah it feels it it's hard not to feel like things are exploding everywhere right Mm -hmm. now around around the world and it makes you it does make you thankful that 
it, it does make you realize sometimes I do at least, I don't speak for anyone else, but you take for granted the fact that, you know, you, you go to, you go to bed in a place where that, <laughs> that isn't going to happen, right? Where you, you don't have people who are coming door to door, uh, in, in basically warfare at this point. And that's, there's lots of parts of the world where that's not true right now. Um, mm. and it's, it's, uh, it's a terrifying deal with this whole thing. So that's, that's the very, that's the very latest. They think it was about, a, th- and, and then the other thing is everyone is asking how, cause Israel's got about the most advanced intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. Counterterrorism, military, it, very vaunted for how advanced that it is. And so people are asking how in the heck did they have a thousand fighters come in, b- breach borders that exist, basically paraglide in with this whole thing, come in in vehicles after the borders were breached as well. And this wasn't, they didn't know. It's, you know, again, it's kind of like some of the questions after September 11th. Are there people like, how could right. how could you not see the pieces coming together for something like yeah, this? Yeah, this, is, this isn't something that so, you plan overnight or over a week or over just no. a couple of months. This, this is a This is the type of type of mission or or action that takes a long time to develop to to put people into places that they can make this happen to where everyone goes how yeah yep and so the uh yeah the loss of life is is going to continue with this at this point and the region obviously is not unfamiliar with that whatsoever but uh, but that's certainly going to continue, and there are going to be there are going to be a lot more. One other note, sort of on the news end of it, is these. One thing to watch, I think, is these reports about how involved Iran was was the, with this. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a uh, a Wall Street Journal report, kind of more intimately tying Iran to be involved in this. There's some pushback against that from multiple places as well. I don't know the answer. I'm not saying the reporting is correct or not correct. But if Israel thinks that Iran is involved, that's another, that takes us to another place. Yes. Um, And I, you know, without, without being too doomsday about it, I think people probably can figure out what that means because those are now, those are two nuclear capable countries Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, And, it, it it sounds, I think early it sounds like Iran is trying to distance itself at this point, whether that's true or not, but I don't think they, they want to get involved in, directly involved with this whole thing. But that's another question with this as well. So, and something something to watch going forward. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's, it, it's hard not to start with this. Everything else does feel right now, I think, at least for me, maybe, maybe y'all don't feel that way, but it, it feels for me kind of like secondary for this whole thing. Um, and I've been been kind of taking a lot in on it over the course of the last twenty four thirty six hours. So, um, in a uh, in a very awkward, no way, no good way to do it transition in terms of importance. Um, but uh, we got together on Friday and uh, yeah. watched uh, watched the watched the Huskers win together. You've got and a phenomenal setup. Got a on, nice on, setup on that patio. Put and... it out. Put it. We got we had a beautiful weather, and so we did a little projector on the back patio. And uh, and got a win out of the whole thing. I, I, it was it was just cool enough, but then it wasn't freezing to where I could I could wear that nice Costco jacket you got me last <laughs> year for Christmas. It was it was nice get bundled up, watch a win, wake up all of East Lincoln uh, throughout that first half. By the way, on my drive home, I was hearing fireworks. I do, I, it always happens with those. <laughs> 
With what, these, what is uh, the ones. what is the fireworks budget in East Lincoln that you guys are rolling? With? I don't know. It always <laughs> always seem to happen, but yeah, Nebraska goes into the bye week with a much needed win, and for the first time since Mike Riley was the coach, that had they that, gone into a bye with a win. Wow, yeah. wow, and you know, uh, uh, it, it's. There's been kind of an odd reaction to this win, and I'm sure we're going to delve into this a little bit further. But you know, there are a lot of people who are not still particularly optimistic because of the opportunities and the mistakes. You know, because Caleb, we were talking about this on on Friday night. Like, you, you at at one point it was like, okay, this game should be 42 to seven. Yes, at this point, right? Yeah, there there has not been a game that is felt simultaneously. Like it was a five score game and a field goal victory. That's right. Like, like there, there, there is so much of the feeling, the way they got the lead, and then just kind of never really stretched, and it always felt like there was the possibility for for Illinois to come back. But then the black shirt slammed the door. You get weirdly all of the bounces. Oh my gosh! And it just, Finally, so so much of that that you get all the bounces. Feel like you should be up by five scores. But then also keep giving the ball away, missing a field goal, not taking advantage of opportunities. Humble. Oh it it just continues to feel like, oh well, Illinois is just going to now take advantage of it, and they were they were atrocious. Like Illinois' offense was not good. So Nebraska comes out with a win, three and three. You're five hundred halfway through the year. Yeah, which is kind of I think where people thought they would be, but they maybe would have flipped the Illinois <laughs> yeah, and the Colorado. Yeah, games. maybe not the not path everyone they thought but they were going to get. That's what I. That's kind of where I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's this weird sort of duality right now, Caleb, where they're where people <laughs> where they kind of want to say, okay, Nebraska still has so many issues on the team, it's hard to get incredibly positive about things. But then on the other hand, you also look at their schedule mm-hmm. and you say, well, but you, it's true they do have those issues. They still, you know, these are still games that they can win with those issues, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Yeah, um, probably all three, three of them. You know, and I don't, it doesn't mean they will for sure, but they're not issue. The issues aren't, you know, the issues aren't so deep and all encompassing of the team that you look at any of the three next games like you did, you know, Michigan or like you did did you would if you had a you know a really a high quality team come in here because all these teams are playing are having major on and off the field issues out of the because most of the teams at least have played backups because of because of injuries or something so let's say 10 deep Nebraska might have two of the top 4 quarterbacks in the west that's even with Jeff Sims turnover issues <laughs> I don't. No way, really. Jeez. I, I think Je- Jeff Sims is a top half quarterback in the Big Ten West. Heinrich Harburg might be first or second in the in the division. Um, Card Mordecai. Eh. But guys aren't playing well. Yeah. Offenses aren't playing great. Yeah, no, the, the, the Big Ten West is not yeah. good. No, it's uh, yeah. Like I said, it's it, if you're looking for a team without major issues, you won't find it in the, especially in the next four games. Mm-hmm. Especially in the next four games. Well, and, so. and we we had said on the tailgate that you can set up so much of the way you feel for that last month based on this stretch right. of games, and it's a lot easier to go three and one or four and zero oh over the the stretch from Illinois through Michigan State if you start out with a win. Yeah. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, 100%. And go into this bye week. Kind of get it rolling, get the belief. This program needs, you know, and I understand the, the thought that, hey, it could be fool's gold even if they go through and win. The, it may be. You're, you're, I mean, it very well may be when they, when they face better teams down the, down the road. And maybe even at the end of this year when they play a Maryland or something like that. But on the other hand, I think this program desperately needs three, four wins in a row. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to help. I think the act of doing that is going to help this team in the future from a mental perspective here at this point. I think going to a bowl game and getting you, you get six wins and you get those extra weeks of practice could not be more important for, for this team in this program yeah. right now as well. Matt Rule has and talked about that. With college football, you know, I, I mean, there's some people I think who are even looking into next year and already worrying about next year. Who knows? I mean, there's going to be a zillion things that happen between now and next fall in terms of the roster, in terms of probably in terms of the coaching staff. All the kind of, schedule. I mean, yeah, All the parameters change. I mean, everything. Like, I can't quite get myself there. I... I think it's okay to enjoy a win, a win an imperfect win. I think it's actually important to, to enjoy and celebrate an, an import, a, uh, a win. We're all so. very realistic about what this where this team is. It's nice to get a win. Yeah. Feel good about it. Yeah, I agree. That's where I am. All right, at 625, we'll take a break. We've got a check of sports coming up next on KLIN. Get today's top news and sports directly to your inbox. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first... Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, first things first. We got a award a winner from uh, from last week, the digit game last week. Yes, where Nebraska scored 20 points. So the zero played, and Keith N is our Keith. winner. Congratulations, Keith! You get the uh, the gear and the pizza. From Alumni Hall and Valentino's, and we reboot everything and we start all over again. Your chance to win again. This is always a uh, this is always kind of a fun one that we do during the off week for Nebraska. Since there's no Nebraska game, there's nothing to predict about the Nebraska game. So instead, what we do is we offer to give you a new team for the weekend that you can choose. And here's what we want you to choose: if you get a pick, we want you to pick a top. 25 team in the AP poll, and I'll go over some of them here in a second. Uh, top 25 team in the AP poll, and you're going for the one that scores the most 
points this weekend. That's it. Scores the most. Not it's not uh, margin of victory. It just scores the most points. And it's you may be like, oh, it's okay. That's easy. I'll just take the number one team. Well, I, I don't, there are a lot of good choices here. Uh, Georgia is number one. They play Vanderbilt. Michigan's two. They play Indiana. Ohio State. They're three. Plays Purdue. Florida State's four. They play Syracuse. Penn State's six. They play UMass. Washington and Oregon play each other. They're both ranked. USC and Notre Dame play each other. They're both ranked. Alabama plays Arkansas, North Carolina, Miami, both ranked play each other. Louisville plays Pitt, Oregon State, UCLA play each other. Utah plays Cal, Duke plays NC State, Tennessee plays Texas A&M, Washington State plays Arizona. I mean, USC and Arizona just put up like a a million points (laughs) last weekend. Uh, LSU plays Auburn, LSU and Missouri put up a million points last weekend. Uh, Kansas, Oklahoma State, and then Kentucky and Missouri. So you get to pick one of those top 25 teams. Uh, you get an earlier pick, then you'll get more choices of teams. But first, you got to text in the keyword, which is buy. Buy. B-Y-E. Buy. 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 All right, text in buy, and then uh, maybe get yourself a team. be interesting to see what the first pick overall will be. I think I'd go, man, I don't know if Penn State will run it up, though, on UMass that much, because that'll be a complete blowout. Sometimes you're actually better in close games with these. Because like they just the, keep going. The proverbial shootout or potential overtime game. Um, but there's about, I mean, there's legit 10 good picks in there, I think. Yeah. It's not, it's not as, I think Penn State is the obvious, Penn State or maybe Georgia. But again, I can see Georgia winning that game like 31-3 to or something, you know, and kind of calling off the dogs. So we'll see. It's not super easy. Not super easy. All right, um, let's let's get in to the sound off and uh, as I get my sound uh, organized here for today um, and the latest here. Um, oh wow, I got these in two formats today. All right, um, let's start. Uh, let's start today with just a little bit of of a, um, I, I guess kind of a, a summary. We've talked about in the open, of course, what's happening in in the Middle East right now. But in case you just need a short little bit of a summary of exactly. What happened to get up to date with the conversation today? Here you go. One military commander is calling the weekend's attacks 9-11 and Pearl Harbor wrapped into one. At least 700 people have reportedly been killed in Israel and Palestinian groups claim to have taken 130 hostage. The Israeli military is using fighter jets, helicopters and artillery to bombard targets in Gaza where some 400 people have died. But two days after the unprecedented incursion, gunmen are still holed up in several locations inside Israel and multiple border breaches are thought to be allowing more fighters and weapons to leak through. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Okay, and then we've even got the a, ID- a, whoops, and we've even got a, a, a more recent update on some of those border towns here. The IDF, that's the Israeli Defense Forces, have finally retaken all the towns along the Gazan border. That is about two days that some of these Hamas terrorists have managed to hold on to some of these towns and we know that for a while they were controlling villages, they were going door to door, they were killing families. We also heard the Israelis have now completely blockaded Gaza and the Israeli Defense Force has come out with a statement saying that they have ordered a complete blockade of the Gaza Strip. They've even said that there will be no electricity, no food, no fuel, everything is closed. We are fighting human animals and we will act accordingly. Yes, you get an idea of of, uh, the, the rhetoric that that is being used here, and 
and then you know you've got as as has been mentioned several times in in addition to blockading all of those things too you still have hostages that are there and what exactly will be the plan to to try and rescue those hostages or get them back or negotiate or whatever that it is exactly and what strategic ends are you going for with all of these these things as well? Obviously, there's some level of sending a message that this is there's a part of this um, that's deterrence for the future. But what kind of strategic ends mm-hmm. are you seeking with this as well? A um, couple more, a couple more things on this, and and as Caleb and I talked about in the opening segment, one of the th- key things to watch on this and is already being s- s- discussed pretty significantly is what was Iran's role. In this coordination, funding, anything else that that went along with it, and what could that mean if there was significant involvement? Maybe even to put a finer point on it, what will it mean if Israel truly believes Iran had a significant role in this? The Wall Street Journal, let's start with this, is reporting that Iran was behind Hamas's plan to attack Israel. Leaders from both Hamas and Hezbollah confirming Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps had been working with the terrorist organization since August on air, land, and sea attack plans. The journal writing, quote, Hamas has publicly acknowledge receiving support from Iran. Iran has been setting aside other regional conflicts to devote the IRGC's foreign resources towards coordinating financing and arming militias antagonistic to Israel, including, yes, Hamas and Hezbollah. Okay. Um, and so, so like I said, one of the, one of the key questions is, does, does Israel um, think that that is the case? And if they do, how did they respond, if at all, to Iran directly in this in this whole thing because so far the response obviously has been directed at at Hamas or or at least in the area of the of the Gaza Strip pretty exclusively mm. at this point that's that sounds like the formula for this thing to uh to expand and get get significantly bigger as well not that it isn't already kind of staggering just in terms of um of the the casualties that go along with this as well but obviously you've got nuclear capable com- countries then it's not it's not Israel going going up against uh you know a, a Hamas group that's that is not operating like a a full military power necessarily uh that is comparable to Israel so yeah that's that is uh, got potential for escalation there as well. As for the United States, what are they saying about this? The U.S. is initiating a greater defense posture in the region and also sending more munitions to Israel. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says that he's directed the USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group to the eastern Mediterranean, including a guided missile cruiser, guided missile destroyers, and steps to augment F-35, F-15, F-16, and A-10 fighter squadrons in the region. In a statement, Austin also says, quote, the United States government will be rapidly providing the Israel Defense Forces with additional equipment and resources, including munitions. And and so the, I guess that's kind of, and this is looking ahead a bit and, and speculating, but at what point, if Israel would expand their response beyond beyond what they're doing right now in the Gaza Strip and 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 you know. Uh, engage iran in some way if they would i don't know that they will but if they would does the u.s or other countries that are allies kind of change their posture on this and they're saying whoa 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 whoa, right hold your hold your horses mm-hmm. on that sort of a thing i don't know i mean i i, I assume they would i i very much assume they would but 
and and perhaps that perhaps I'm overplaying the the chances of of that actually happening. But I'm I, I mean you've got a you've got rightfully so a a government a military a country that is very very aggrieved and wants to send messages to whoever was whoever was responsible for what just happened and mm-hmm. that could go beyond you know just the just just the group that is in the Gaza strip right now as well so and attacks in in that region take on a whole nother they take on another level when it feels more personal because they're religious based right well i mean yes or, there's or, been or, or an ongoing get, conflict yeah. about yes about about land um about you know about one state versus two state about settlements about all of these things from west bank gaza strip to you know the sides of jerusalem essentially with this whole thing and there have been there's been fighting on and off for since what since the 50s when it when it comes to this as well and this is any any progress there was to having you know some kind of a solution and i know i don't know that these these two sides in particular were close to that although i know israel and saudi arabia had had some some talks recently and it'll be interesting to see if those are impacted as well and then of course speaking of saudi arabia and iran um, one of the other impacts of this it could be on the oil market. You actually had gas prices that have been down a little bit recently, but is that going to be short-lived because of all of this? At one point, oil prices were up by over $3 a barrel, but fell back a bit in recent hours. It reflects fears a lengthy war between Israel and Palestinians could draw in oil-producing neighbours like Iran and Saudi Arabia. Despite US sanctions, Iran is said by analysts to have increased oil production this year. Iran insists it wasn't involved in the assault by Hamas militants, but the country's president express support for the attack. The US has been working to normalize relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia, a long-term adversary of Iran. Jonathan Savage, Fox News. Okay, well there you go. He kind of says yeah. got what I was got what I was getting at there. Um yeah. Uh boy, it's just it's man, it is not a not a comforting situation in the world right now. I hate to be too glit to to kind of dark about the entire thing but between you know we've gone through this obviously in the in the world before but i think it's it's probably you know in the i was 14 years old in the early 90s when the original gulf war started happening and um you had the you had the attacks on in Baghdad, and it was the first time kind of that stuff was really televised in real time, mm-hmm. and there was the night vision, and, and you kind of saw it. But man, with what has happened, both in in uh, the Ukraine Russia fights and this current one, boy, it is the most brutal stuff is up on social media right away on all of these things. And then in addition to all that, you don't know sometimes what's real and what's not. Information misinformation as well that goes around with this as well. So it's a um, it's a scary time, and obviously we'll be uh, we'll be following this story going forward. Mm-hmm. Then, meanwhile, back here in the United States, you still don't have a Speaker of the House, right? At at this point, which m- might be nice to have uh, when when all of this stuff is going on worldwide. Um, but we've got a couple of people, at least, who want to be speaker. So what is next in this whole process? Congressman Steve Scalise of Louisiana and Jim Jordan of Ohio are publicly campaigning for speaker. 
Ken Buck of Colorado was one GOP member who voted out Kevin McCarthy. He says Republicans need to settle on one or the other. That We have 218 votes, so we don't go to the floor and have another 15-round uh, session. House Democratic Caucus Chair Pete Aguilar of California said the coming speaker vote may play out just like January. I had the privilege of, of nominating our Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries, uh, to be speaker. Uh, I plan to do that on behalf of the House Democratic Caucus again. Both appeared on ABC's This Week. House members head back to D.C. this week to decide. Gernal Scott, Fox I, News. I can't believe they're going to go to the floor and not know what's, not know what the vote is going to be. You got to right? know you ahead gotta, of time. They're going to, they've got, they've got to get all this all straight behind closed doors, right? I would think so. I would think so, but maybe that's much easier said than done. Maybe I'm overestimating the potential to be, to just to say that. Yeah. But I think Unless they think they they have it and someone goes rogue. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. All right, we're going to grab a break. We got Tom's talk coming up next at 6:52 on Lincoln's News and Talk 1499.3 KLIN. It's time for Tom's talk on 1499.3 KLIN. This week, I'm taking you inside the Nebraska Community Blood Bank facility near 84th and O Street. NCBB has been connecting people and saving lives since 1968. Their main facility serves as the administrative, laboratory, and distribution hub, and it relies on donations to help ensure that there's a safe and stable blood supply available for area hospitals and other medical facilities. I spoke with Kara Ellis, who is the component lab manager for NCBB. She cleared up one misconception people have about the blood donation process. I've heard a lot of people that don't donate especially that think that, you know, they come in and donate and that unit kind of just goes right to the hospital, which is not true. That doesn't ever happen, actually. Every unit that's donated in every Lincoln facility for us and in Omaha all comes back to our laboratory. We're the only component processing lab. I asked Ellis what happens to each unit of blood after a donor rolls up their sleeve. Basically what we do with the whole blood unit Units, which is the majority of what we get, is we centrifuge them. What happens then is since the red cells are heavier, they sink down to the bottom of the bag. The plasma comes up to the top. So the plasma and the red cell are separated into different bags. Bella says the red blood cells are then stored in a biohazard refrigerator in the lab until they can be tested. Testing on the units, um, we do not perform here. The infectious disease testing, we send that to Minnesota. They perform all those tests for us and send us back the results. So once we get all of the tests back, then we can say, okay, this unit's okay to release. Go ahead and label it and send it off to be delivered. As for the plasma, she says there are 11 different components they can make with it. Fresh frozen plasma for transfusion. We make a cryoprecipitate for transfusion for anybody that's bleeding or has factor deficiencies, things like that. Burn units also. Ellis says the plasma is also used for research. Now, as for the platelets, they also go through a lot of testing before being released. When we get the platelets, whether the donor is donating one, two, or three products, we actually do platelet counts. 
look at the volume, do the splitting into the separate components, do a lot of quality control, like looking for bacteria and things like that. Ellis tells me the platelets only have a seven-day shelf life. That's usually the first thing we do every morning is try to get the platelets labeled and out because they require so much testing. They spend about two days in the lab before they can be labeled. It takes about 48 hours before we can release them. So by the time the 48 hours is up, the hospitals want them. They go quickly. Now, the blood products they process are distributed to more than two dozen hospitals across the state. NCBB spokesperson Carrie Lundine says from the time that blood is drawn at a blood mobile, it has to be in the lab very quickly. They have to get the blood back here in eight hours. So from draw time to when component lab is done with it, it's eight hours. The blood has to be completely processed through in that eight hours. And after the blood arrives at their facility and is processed, it goes into a cooler. See, this is the cooler and we can actually, we'll pop inside real fast. Yeah. Um, nothing um, has any donor information. Everything is barcoded. The donor information is inside our systems. So for, you know, anybody who is receiving that unit of blood, there's no identification markers for who is giving that. It's all anonymous donation. Blundine tells me there are nearly 100 employees who are part of their NCBB team. Not only include our phlebotomists, and our medical staff, and then the laboratory hospital service, our bus drivers who take care of our mobile blood drives all over the place. We have our call management center. They are the ones receiving the calls, helping to make the appointments, and they're the ones also calling. Lundin says each unit of whole blood that is donated can save up to three lives, possibly someone in your family. She hopes that will be a motivating factor for first-time donors to come in. Now, she says the entire process takes 45 to 60 minutes, And while some people may be hesitant about having a needle in their arm, Lundin says it only takes about 10 minutes for the draw process. Now, if you're interested in donating now or in the future, you can schedule an appointment at ncbb.org. Hear Tom's Talk Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 6.55. Or listen to the podcast anytime at klin.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right. Greetings and welcome back on your Monday morning, October 9th, 2023. Right now we've got 42 degrees in the capital city. Crisp. 
Very crisp out there right now. Doesn't get uh doesn't get into real chilly chilly territory during the day this week, probably until uh probably till Friday. Friday Friday though. Whew, showers likely, thunderstorm, high near fifty-three, windy, north winds. Gusting up forty miles an hour. Come Sweet. on, let's get weird. No, Come get on. that. Get that out of no, here. We, I'm, that's not. That is not middle ground in this whole thing. That is not. That is not the the weather that I'm. That's that sounds like some Friday that's not night football weather. weather. Come on, no, not at all. Not at all. It's, it's looking good though. I mean, it, we get that though. The rest of the week. actually, uh, the whole second half of the week looks like could be getting some rain there. But uh, high 66 today, 72 tomorrow, 77 Wednesday, 73 Thursday before we dip down Friday into a high in the 50s and then uh, staying there for Saturday, mid-50s as well. Really the whole weekend going to be really chilly next weekend. Uh, all right, we'll have our morning drive coming up uh, here in just a little bit. Don't forget another Fantasy Huskers keyword coming up an hour from now. This is a bye week, so this is the week that you get to pick another team. You get to... Uh, cosplay as a fan of another top 25 team as a week, uh, for a week. So you can uh, get that team coming up if you have the keyword at 810, potentially. And, uh, got Tim Herza joining us, Mike Schaefer joining us as well. Uh, a little bit more on the Nebraska Illinois game on Friday night. And like we talked about at the outset, Caleb, it was kind of, uh, it was, it was a, it was a weird feeling after a a win, I think, for some people. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily say for me, but for some people that I talked to after the win, just because uh, <laughs> because of the way that it happened, uh, because it, you know, the offense struggled and there was the mistakes, the penalties, and the turnovers once again. Yet Nebraska still, because of a very strong defensive uh, performance, including an unbelievable goal line stand to start the entire game, right? <laughs> Did, be, but because of all that, Nebraska still had a weirdly, you know, kind of a weirdly comfortable margin after that whole thing. And there's kind of a lot of people saying, "Yeah, a win, but how is this going to play? How are these mistakes? How are these issues going to play the rest of the year as well? And why aren't they cleaned up yet?" and Listen, I'm I'm in the camp that says m- me as a fan so desperate for any kind of a win instead of a loss, especially in a conference road game that you're the underdog. I'm I'm my overriding feeling is still going to be happiness and celebrating the fact that they they got it over the top. This is a game. Listen, this is a game. There are tons of instances over the last several years where this is not a game Nebraska wins. I mean, heck, there were plenty of games. Nebraska was the underdog in this game, okay? Plenty of games Nebraska was the favorite in Big Ten games at home that they didn't win. There's games against Northwestern and Minnesota and uh, in Illinois, right? And Purdue and, you know, name the team that Nebraska didn't get this win that they typically would. And so the fact that they did this time alone, I think is important, you know, not only because of, where you're at going into a bye week, and they hadn't gotten this win before. But I honestly do think this team will greatly mentally benefit from just experiencing momentum, Mm -hmm. experiencing multiple wins, hopefully being stacked together here. If they can do that, I think that changes a lot about the mental side of the game because it's a program that hasn't experienced three wins in a row for 
many years. It's been <laughs> several, several years for for several years, and so I have a question. That's big. Yeah. So for Nebraska, you you get a win. Mm-hmm. You've won three of the last four. You've gotten to five hundred heading into the off week before you close out the rest of the season. I get it that things aren't perfect across the river, and they definitely want a new offensive coordinator. But Iowa's gone to a backup quarterback. Iowa, week in and week out, makes things ugly, and it looks like they shouldn't win games. They're five and one. Why? Why are we that upset here in Nebraska? Not necessarily you and me, but just we as a whole. Where what we're hearing from people that. It was a win, yeah, but... I think there's a worry that eventually you're not going to be able to win games in that fashion, uh, eventually, which may or may not be true. Now, Nebraska's schedule is fortuitous right now. Mm-hmm. In, in the next three games, they're playing teams that, if you do play, you know... These are teams that I think if you play solidly, mistake, big mistake-free football, penalties, turnovers, stay away from the, those, and the defense does its things, you can win that that sort mm-hmm. of a... A style right. of a game without an offense that turns out to be explosive after the fact. My my question with that though is, why is that immediately as the game is over? Why is there no time to go? Hey, there's a win. Yeah, we I, can feel good I don't for get the that. week. Why can't that wait till a Monday or a Tuesday? I don't get it, that. It, it's got to be immediately, and it has to be so aggressive to anyone who is celebrating is happy. Yeah. on social media or lighting off fireworks in East Lincoln, whatever it is. <laughs> Why do they have to go? Why do people have to go out of their way know. to say, "Hey, I know you're happy now, but this isn't sustainable." Right? Cool. I get that. There are a lot of real but, buzz But I'm kills. happy right now. Yeah. Just like I was happy to beat Northern Illinois and Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Yeah. But, and people can fan who they want to. I I just don't want you at my watch party if you're like that. <laughs> is what I would say. But now, Caleb, very exclusive club that watch party. It was this. Um, It'll be interesting as we probably more into next week uh, as we're in game week, but you know I think Jeff Sims is probably going to be healthy uh, for this game against Northwestern. It'd be about that time, yeah. And I still get the feeling, I still get. I mean, if I had to guess right now, and this is a tiny bit educated, but not based on like inside information on this whole thing. And I mean a tiny bit education, like you guys heard Greg Sharp say on our show on Thursday, he thought they would both play this coming week. I think they're. I mean, I think they want to get Sims back in there. I think so too. I get. I just get that feeling that they want to get Sims back in there. Um, we'll see. But like, there's a big part of me that would not be surprised if Sims comes out as the starter coming up a week from Saturday. How about you? I wouldn't be surprised either. And I, I, I had said over the course of these last four games that Harburg has started and played in its entirety, other than. Chubba Purdy getting some garbage time and kneeling it out, and Jeff Sims having to run in for one play because Harburg had lost his helmet. Outside of those, it's been all Heinrich Harburg. But I had said, if healthy, if 100% healthy and able to be mobile, this coaching staff wants to play Jeff Sims. That's yeah. the guy that they brought in. They they weren't beating around the bush for the first couple of weeks when it was, well, hey, he had four turnovers or whatever at Minnesota. Hey, he's... So not all of those not all of those were him. We're working some stuff out. It's still Jeff Sims. Even at Colorado, a couple of first half turnovers. No, there was never a thought at halftime of pulling Jeff Sims. This coaching staff still likes what they have with Sims. And yes, Harburg has as a starting quarterback, which this is a garbage stat, but I'm gonna give it anyway. As a starting quarterback, the team is three and one. And 
He's gotten lucky, but luck luck plays a, is a little bit of a factor that there haven't been more turnovers. But he did throw an interception. There, there's the ball has been put on the turf. He hasn't run away with the job to make the coaching staff say, "Oh, we can't go back to Sims. Right. Which te- still just tells me their want for him to play. Harburg not completely taking the position, and Sims getting healthy says Jeff Sims is going to play, if not start against Northwestern. Yeah, and and I don't know that I. I'm not sure where I come down on this, to be honest. I'm not sure because I I kind of said from the beginning, I want the quarterback that avoids turnovers best. Mm-hmm. And Arberg has not been completely perfect at that, but he's been, you know, he's been better than what Sims did for the first, what? Seven quarters. Yeah, seven, seven, full quarters. seven quarters of football. Now, that's not necessarily a fair comparison necessarily. I don't... I, I don't know, but in the end, even if Sims gives you a little little bit of an upside, um, I guess from a passing perspective, a little bit of a different look as a runner, I'm not sure exactly. Maybe what not, it is. not that like Harburg has necessarily thrown poorly. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was fifty percent this week, twelve for twenty four. Yeah, so, so I mean, you you'd like to get that up ideally fifty to sixty five percent. That's where both of them have lived. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just give me the guy who hasn't. Who, who who's going to be least damaging when it comes to turn? I know it's a crappy way to think about it, but honestly, I think that's how you win. I think that's the formula to win is not make mistakes. And so far, Harburg has has been better. It's, it would be a little bit hard for me to go away, mm-hmm. to go away from him at this point. And the other thing is, like, then if you do go back to Sims and say he does throw a pick in the first quarter, like, okay, now, you know. You're going to get people pretty anxious. Right, it, it, yeah, at what point? At what point does that kind of put him in a crummy position there? And I'm where, not sure. Where is he at mentally as well now that he's missed? He missed most most of the fourth quarter against Colorado, four full games. He will have also had this off week. Right. He hasn't played in five weeks yep. but by the time we get to the home game against Northwestern. Yep. We saw what things were like when it started to seem – against Colorado and a little bit against Minnesota too, but against Colorado when it was, okay, I got to go make a play so that I'm the one out here. I'm wondering where Jeff Sims is mentally coming back from five weeks if he does start against Northwestern. And yeah, if there was a a game other than the kind of weird the way Northwestern played against Minnesota in that fourth quarter, there's a game teed up for a guy to have a get-right game. But where is Jeff Sims at mentally coming back to where he doesn't feel like he has to push? Yeah. And then that's when he makes mistakes. Does he come back thinking he has to prove himself, or does he come back and just play? Honestly, I wonder. People might hate, might really not like this, but I wonder, Caleb, if they he would. You think Rule would come in and say, "Hey, these guys are both going to get time in this game." You think he would do that? Yeah. Instead of and just say, "Hey, we're gonna we plan to play them both," you know, in you know exactly what order it is. I'm not gonna say that or when it is, but we they're both, you know, they're both gonna play so we can figure out who gives us the best chance to win. I don't know if they would. There's a part of me that would would almost go. Matt Rule would do that. He he answered a question on uh, a week ago, a week ago, two weeks ago. I can't remember quite when it was asked, but 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 the question was, would they use a two quarterback system? 
And Matt Rule said, like, play both quarterbacks at the same time or just give them both both snaps. And they said, well, either. And he goes, I'll, I'll play who, whatever right. it takes to win. So yeah. I think he would. I think he would put in both quarterbacks at, at different times or at the same time, depending on what the, what the play is, what the joker is they want to throw out there, and just see what do they have right. if Jeff Sims is healthy and it's not those first couple of games. Right, right. What a weird stat line stat lines in this game. I mean, Illinois ended up getting more yards per play than Nebraska did after all was said and done. 310 yards on 66 plays compared to Nebraska's 312 on 73 plays after this. Yet Illinois only gets rushing 21 net yards rushing in the entire game. I I saw a stat that so it was what 19 rushing attempts. Yeah. At one point earlier like early in the game they had 23 rushing yards. Like I think they were at eight or nine or ten rushing attempts. The rest of the game went negative two rushing yards. Yeah, yep. Uh, and and only two of those there two there were two sacks for eight yards. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could say what add add say take seven take seventeen uh, seventeen for twenty nine. Right, which isn't all that much more impressive? So <laughs> yeah, that's still yeah. not great. Yeah, that's what that's what that ended up being. So I don't know. It's going to be um, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting little deal and. You know, you, you come in, Northwestern comes in next week, and I would assume Nebraska's going to be a, I don't know, pretty decent favorite in that game, according to the experts coming in. What, what are um, we thinking? Seven and a half? Yeah, probably. Maybe up to like nine. Up to nine? I don't know. I, think, I mean, they struggled a little bit with Howard, did Northwestern, mm-hmm. and they did have that win against Michigan. Uh, they were kind of played okay with Penn State for a half. Mm-hmm couple weeks back um yeah i don't know but that's one you're back in that position then where you're actually in a game here where you're expected you're expected to win it you're in Mm -hmm. a conference game at home at that point but again the the schedule going forward northwestern purdue at michigan state you win you win all three of those you win all three of those you're you're bull bound by the first week in november which would be phenomenal. You're, you're bull bound in the first week of November, and I guess, you know, and, and technically probably control your own destiny in the, uh, if you're thinking about a division championship, too, at that point. This is a really good time to have an off week. So, get, yeah. get Get healthy for this stretch. It's a weird combination of, hey, the team's imperfect, the team's got its issues, but it also has a path to actually a weirdly good season. Yeah, there's a path to success yeah. the way that's defined this year. Yeah. All right, 724, we'll take a break on KLIN. Insights into a world of noise and confusion. They say what I think, but smarter. <laughs> 1499.3 KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, let's start counting things down with number five. 
The Israeli government formally declared war and gave the green light for significant military steps to retaliate against Hamas for its surprise attack as the military labored into Monday to remove fighters still in southern towns and intensified its bombardment of the Gaza Strip. The toll has passed 1,100 dead, thousands wounded on both sides. So they've basically said, has Israel said, we are going to completely make it impossible for uh, Hamas to operate and essentially shut down the Gaza Strip, meaning meaning no electricity, no food. I mean, I mean, just completely do that at this point. Um, meanwhile, there are still hostages that are there right now. And the question is, I mean, obviously, there is a priority right now for Israel to go get those hostages or figure out how, I don't know whether it's some kind of a negotiation negotiation that they would enter into. I'm not sure, but you can imagine just obviously the risks that go along with any operation to try and do that. Um, and yeah, this is going to be, I mean, it's, it doesn't, doesn't take somebody who is well-versed in geopolitical situations to right. say, look, obviously there's a significant history there in the next few days, probably next few weeks are going to continue to have just devastating damage, lives lost, uh, everything with, with this whole thing. Um, and I, it, it, it will be interesting to kind of see what, you know, what Israel's sort of strategic objectives will be with the reaction that they're having right now. And I'm sure they, you know, obviously they've kind of foreshadowed that with saying, look, we're we basically are going to shut down their capability to really rule at all in that area. And then the question is, OK, who takes that area over? Um, you know, I don't think Israel wants any part of that either necessarily this is a small strip gaza is a small uh fairly small strip of land that is very densely populated i, want, I, think, I believe like two million two million people live there mm-hmm. on that on that pretty small area um and so they're, they're obviously going to do what they think they need to do at this point to prevent further attacks or disable further attacks like that as well but where do you go beyond that and again it's it's kind of a I mean there's sort of some thoughts back at, at when the United States was going through the fight against terrorism and you weren't necessarily necessarily fighting against a nation state not a formal itself, government a formal there. nation state government and so how how does that change what you do here in this situation and then the other question that I brought up earlier is what does Israel think in terms of what Iran's involvement or not was there's been quite a bit of discussion of that already this morning. Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal article that indicated that there's pretty significant involvement from Iran. They deny it. The United States has kind of actually pushed back on that now, but obviously that's a bit of a powder keg as well, because if the Israel if Israel would believe that Iran uh, was was guilty, was, was involved in, in the entire thing, is there retaliation there? And that's a that's a whole different ball of wax than just retaliating against Hamas in the Gaza Strip at that point, given right. the capabilities that both of those countries have as well. So, 
And as I asked you earlier, what does this mean for the United States? There's a carrier has pushed closer in the Mediterranean. Yeah. Um, we do know there were there were uh, some Americans among the casualties. Yeah, I believe the number, they just said a number that they believe at least four Americans lost their lives. I, I have not heard that there are any Americans among the hostage group. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's confirmed or not. Um, it's probably a little early to say that for sure. I do think if that is the case, if if there would be, if, if it would turn out that there was an American that was part of the hostage, that probably impacts pretty, maybe pretty significantly what the United States' involvement in this is going to be as well. Um, so, but we haven't we haven't heard that for sure at this point now. Um, but man, it's just holy cow. Just her. I mean, obviously, what do you even say? Like the, the the videos, the stories, everything that that came out of this is just completely gut wrenching. Mm-hmm. Completely gut wrenching. Kids involved, uh, senior citizens involved, all of all of those things as well. So, yeah, and I mean, Israel's calling up three hundred thousand reservists at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they've got a. They've got significant military capabilities here, and I mean, they're just firing rocket after rocket at this point. Over a thousand, I believe, the Israeli government said there were well over a thousand targets they've hit in Gaza now Jeez. at that point, and they've got drones up. And that's the other thing is, that's the other thing is, they basically got through these this border fence somehow, which I think is surprised a lot of people there in Israel. They, I mean, I think just basically bulldozed through it. Mm-hmm. Got through it, and that was, and so there's still openings, and so they're trying to close those up as well, so that nobody is getting through. And then you had people who evidently, uh, who like, were on gliders essentially uh-huh. uh, that that came in as well from from the sky, as well. And that's an, that's another discussion discussion probably for years after this whole thing is were there some sort of inten- intelligence failures that there was not any idea that this was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how does all this planning happen right. to, to, to pull this off? Yeah, it's um, yeah, two point, yeah, 2.3 people live there. I just see that number right here at this point. Uh, all right, so obviously something that is going to be continue to be a huge, huge news story in the coming days. Number four. Anti-vaccine activist Robert Kennedy Jr. is expected to announce today he will be dropping his Democratic bid for president, but that doesn't mean he's done running. As a matter of fact, as part of his announcement, expected to run as an independent or third-party candidate for president of the United States, adding a new wrinkle to a 2024 race currently heading toward a rematch between President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. So apparently he's got a speech in Philadelphia this afternoon. He came out and said there's corruption in leadership of both political parties, and so he wants to, quote, rewrite rewrite the assumptions and change the habits of American politics. Now, what typically happens in presidential politics when you get a third-party candidate in is that they end up impacting the race not by winning, but by pulling votes. By pulling votes. Jill Stein, Ralph Nader, H. Ross Perot. I mean, we can go through... We can go through the names over the years. And I guess the conventional thinking on this, and the conventional thinking on this is, well, if is he going to pull Republicans? Even though he was a Democrat, would he pull Republicans away from Trump? Would he pull Democrats away from Biden or independents that were leaning one of those? Like, 
I don't even quite know. He was a Democrat, but the like some of the stuff he said, it was he had a lot of fans who were more on the Republican right. Trump side of things. And it and are there enough people that are tired of a would be tired of a Biden Trump rematch? I don't think there's a there's enough to push him past two seventy. No, no. But yeah, there's enough for him to significantly impact the vote totals of the other two. Yeah, he's yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly I don't know at this point. But my gut feeling is that my gut feeling is probably the the Biden camp is happier about this than the, the Trump camp. We'll see. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. My my gut That's, feeling was that the Trump camp is is, really? is is happier just because there there'll be people that'll that'll look at what his appeal, his party affiliation was and, as, as a Democrat and go okay well I'm not too happy with Joe Biden right. and, but I'm still going to not vote for I Trump guess. but he didn't sa- he never sounded really like well, a Democrat I, I know. either so I, I don't it, but it was it was mainly about other you know other topics as well so we'll see number three. Powerball jackpot continuing to grow as there was no winner from wow. Saturday night, and that means the grand prize grows $1.55 billion. That's the third largest jackpot in Powerball. Oh, that's not even the biggest one? Wow. Third biggest, yeah. All right. Next drawing is tonight, and if someone hits that and opts for the lump sum, they will receive around $679.8 million before federal and state taxes. Uh, having that much money, just thinking about having that much money stresses me out. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of decisions to go into that. $679 million? Jeez. Holy cow. <laughs> All right. Like, well. there are... You could you could pay for the South Stadium renovation and have money left over. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see what else we've got going on. Number two. Well, as we enter into a new week, it's time to take a small break from Husker football season as the team is on a bye week after their win against Illinois. So with all the extra time to get stuff done, what does the team <laughs> and you need to accomplish during the off week? Well, okay. Uh, so the um, the team, they need to, number one, get healthy. That's get number as he- one. Get as healthy Absolutely. as possible. Rest up a little bit. Got a lot of bumps and bruises this far into, uh, into the season, so... Get healthy. Uh, number two, figure out how to not jump off sides on false starts no matter what the other team is, uh, whether what noises the other team is making. Because that'll only get called against Nebraska's defense. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm watching that LSU-Missouri game. They, were, they called that disconcerting, disconcerting signals three signals. times in that game. At least. I don't know. It is a real penalty. might have called more. No, but, it, it, I mean, the biggest thing this team has got to do right now I mean, obviously the offense is, is, you need the offense to be more effective, but the biggest thing that, before you even get to, hey, get, right, you got to have, your weapons need to be making big plays and those sorts of things. You've got to cut out the penalties that are just plaguing it in terms of mm-hmm. the, the the mistakes that are just plaguing it. Penalties and turnovers. You've got to cut out the penalties and turnovers. Cut those down because if you can play clean fl- Clean football, even if it's not explosive football on offense, you're you got a you got a good shot with the defense right mm-hmm. now. I think you got a good shot in most of the games left. Yes. Honestly. Maybe there's an exception or two in there, but if you can do that, you've got a you've got a good shot. Like you'll let that ride. I Absolutely. Think. There's a there's a good chance your defense wins you two more games. Yeah, but you ju- you can't 
again, it, you can't have the mistakes, the mistakes that turn into penalties, the mistakes that turn to turnovers. You can't have those. But if you can, that's what that's what the big thing is. And I know it's easier said than done to just to stop doing that. Yeah. But that's what they need. I mean, that's the prescription on this whole thing. As for me, uh, <laughs> yeah. What What do you need from your little I bit really, of time off? Oh man, I I really I have a little area where I've got my grill and my smoker and my uh, and uh, I've got a griddle back there. It's a complete mess, and all summer I intended to clean it and just completely clean the thing out, clean all of those things. I really probably should do that on Saturday. I really should. But it, now it's going to be like high in the 50s. Did I miss my window to do this thing, or I just toughen up and put a coat on and figure it out? You That's put a coat prob- on and you figure it out because you're going to want to be do. out there here here in the winter, and you don't want to be cleaning it in the winter. It's it's. It just yeah, it needs work right now. You know what's already been on That's our like calendar? That's like a whole day project. You know what's been on our calendar for what's this that? Saturday, right? What's that? Pumpkin patch. Oh, pumpkin patch time. Off, oh, God. Off week? Wow. Yeah, get ready, pumpkin patches, on Saturday with no Husker game. I'm sure they were full Yeesh. this last week, too. But Oh, yeah, they had no game yesterday, too. And decent <laughs> weather. Actually, it's it looks like it's going to be not as nice here coming up this coming Saturday right now. Uh, if you're if you're thinking about that forecast, mostly sunny, high near 55, breezy with a north wind, 18 to 20 miles an hour, with gusts as high as 29. Ugh. What's uh what's Burr. Sunday morning look like? We're supposed to do family pictures. Sunday morning, we filled up the off week. Uh, the low Saturday night into Sunday is a low around 40, wind gusts as high as 25, and then Sunday mostly sunny, high 57. Those wind gusts and that north wind is going to be the story of. Of the whole back end of the week in the weekend. Phenomenal. Just north winds blowing like crazy. Guys, it was just 90 like a week ago. I'm fine (laughs) with the fifty high of 55. Can we just not do the 30 mile an hour north winds? Yeah, it's the wind. Wouldn't be so bad without the wind. That's true. Number one. The winner of the Chicago Marathon is also the winner of a new world marathon record. Kelvin Kiptum won the Chicago Marathon crossing the finish line two hours, 35 seconds. And he said after the race, I feel so happy I wasn't prepared. A world record was not on my mind today. The previous world marathon record was held. You lead. Kipchoge. Kipchoge. Kip Kip. Uh, won the 2022 Berlin Marathon time of two hours, one minute and nine seconds. Wow. Uh, by the way, the world record for um, for the marathon, like in 1908, <laughs> was two hours and 55 minutes. They've made by some Johnny strides. Hayes. So they have shaved off nearly an hour. Like, okay, if I go back a hundred a hundred years to 19, okay, 1925, it was two hours 29 minutes. So they've shaved off almost a half hour in a hundred years. Okay. I suppose shoe, shoe technology helps that a lot, I would think. Uh, probably running on a lot more paved roads. Yeah, that's probably true, too. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Two hours. What do you think of that? Two, 26 miles, two hours and 35 seconds. Two hours, 35 seconds for 26 miles. So, what, a little over or a little under eight eight-minute miles the whole way? How, that, do, wait, how long until the math right? who's going to be the first to break two hours? I know that I know. There's a great. There's well, a great. Well, he shaved thirty. He shaved over thirty seconds off I, the off that. So it's probably happening. I know there's a phenomenal podcast called Chasing Three Hours. Yeah. Who's chasing two? 
Who's getting under that? By the way, the last the, all of the record holders since 2002 have been either from Kenya or Ethiopia. Uh, an American, um, of, I think, uh, 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 held it in 2002. That was in the London London Marathon. Okay. But it's been broken every time at the Berlin Marathon until this last time where it was been broken at the Chicago Marathon. What's so been fast about Berlin? Since 99. Yeah, I don't know. Berlin is the one where every the last like seven record breaks have, have come from. So... All right, well, congratulations to Kelvin. Good job, Kelvin. 756, that's it for your morning drive, brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. We're making the catch at the 10, 5, that is a touchdown, Nebraska. Think 1499.3, KLIN. Here's today's Husker Max Practice Report, brought to you by Tracy's Collision Center on 1499.3 KLIN. Fresh off a victory of 29-7 Friday night over the Fighting Illini in Champaign, Nebraska football heads into a bye week off of a win for the first time since the Mike Riley era. A couple of necessary items to get worked out, whether or not your quarterback is healthy. And yes, that includes Heinrich Harburg, but also Jeff Sims, where that battle is heading into the off week. Had a couple of injuries this past weekend and bumps and bruises, including Marcus Washington and Anthony Grant, both missing time on Saturday, as well as the litany of injuries that have plagued this team over the last few weeks. Still expected to hear from the coaching staff on Sports Nightly over the course of this week, but with no game, We did see Terrence Knighton taking a few defensive linemen. Pedicures getting the team right during the off week. Fixed is your choice. No one else's. Do not feel pressured. You and you alone are familiar with the shops in town and what the end results are. Growing up, why'd you always ask dad where to take the car? You go with who you know and trust, like Tracy's Collision Center. Tracy's will do a precision scan of your vehicle to get back to factory condition. You leave with a lifetime warranty for as long as you own the car. It covers metal repair, paintwork, mechanical repairs, and parts. Get details at tracysbodyshop.com. I'm Chris Lofgren. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. Oh, you think there's not a football game to care about this weekend? Well, we're about to change that for 10 lucky people this week. (laughs) We can manufacture that for you. We are giving you a top 25 football team to adopt for a week. Actually, you get to choose which team you would like to adopt. And you are trying, if you get a pick, to choose the one that scores the most points this week. And it's harder than it sounds to pick the one as I went through the games earlier. Uh, we already have, do we have our first pick in? Yep, Ben took USC. Oh, he took USC. Uh, they are playing, let's see, do you have, I think I closed my schedule here at, at this point here, but. Uh, USC take, is taking on Notre Dame. Ooh, okay. Hoping for a shootout there. Huh. Well, there's a lot, there's a lot of good choices, I think, on the board for the top 25, who's going to score the most points, and you can pick it, but. You only can pick it if we award you the pick after you text in the keyword for today. The keyword for 810 today is? Off. Off. 
OFF? Off. Off. Okay. These three-letter ones are nice. All right. <laughs> OFF for the textures, too. All right. We will select one person who gets to uh, pick the top 25 team of their choice. Check out those matchups. See maybe who you want. USC is off the board, but you could still become a, a Georgia fan or an Alabama fan or a or a Washington State fan. Whatever you want. Whatever Be floats whatever, your boat. Whatever you want. 402-479-1400. Keyword off. All right. Time to chat with Tim Hruza. Our summer friends about, uh, to the extent that things are going on here in uh, Nebraska politics, legislative stuff, uh, we're going to get into that, and we'll see where we go here. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jack. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, off a uh, off a win over the weekend, went and visited the in-laws in Iowa, uh, right? The fall weather, the hot weather is gone. It's hard not to be, you know, not to be happy right now. It's good. Uh, <clears throat> Friday was an interesting experience, right? Nebraska wins a game by double digits. And I, I don't know, Jack, I, I assume you're sort of in the same situation, but it is it's a little bit telling about where our psyche is. When I'm on, like, three group chats and I'm getting texts with a minute 30 left in the game, like, we're going to blow this, we're going to blow this. And we held on for a really solid win against yep. Illinois. So that is a... We got some, we got some work to do mentally, confidence wise. But you know what? Hey, um, I really liked what Rule had to say. I feel pretty good about where we're headed, week after week. Right? Listen, it's much better than going into a bye week with a loss, which we've done lots of times over the last few years. So much better. No uh, it feels. It feels. I'm. I'm. I am fully celebrating the victory, no matter how it happened, and uh, I will continue to do that during the course of uh, of this year. Hey, uh, the story came out uh, last week, and I was looking forward to having you kind of maybe help help uh, explain some of it uh, to me and the listeners both. But uh, Nebraska's Attorney General, Mike Hilgers, uh, apparently is challenging uh, the constitutionality of some laws pe- passed here in Nebraska that are aimed toward reducing overcrowding in, in prisons. Um, and he's gotten some criticism for it. And these went through when, when Hilders was actually a part of the legislature. And I know a part of it is this is a, what, what is essentially a deferred judgment law. Um, I, I guess let's just start out. Maybe give me giving us, cause I know you're probably more familiar with it than, than any of us. What, what laws are we talking about here, and what is the argument that they're un- unconstitutional as far as you know? So my understanding, and, and there's two pieces of legislation here that are sort of um, under fire, under scrutiny, so to speak. But the first is um, a bill that was passed in 2019, so four years ago, um, which I think is where some of the comments that are critical of the attorney general um, come from. But uh, the bill in 2019 implemented deferred judgment, as you mentioned. What my understanding of how that works is you have a criminal defendant that comes in. Um, they, the judge can issue or can enter. Um, the person can come in and they enter and they issue a, a deferred judgment finding where the person is, as I understand it, ultimately, I think, like, found guilty or convicted or pleads no contest to whatever they're alleged to have done, but they defer judgment pending or allowing that person to kind of jump through some hoops. So it's not like a probation. I don't know if it's kind of like probation or parole, but you're ultimately like, if you screw up, you could go to jail, right? And then you go back in front of the judge. And if not, then, you know, the record looks a little different and how it's handled is different. 
I don't know technically how that all works, and you'd have to talk to a real criminal defense lawyer or a judge, but I think that's the general concept um, in terms of how you how you jump through those hoops. Yeah. That bill's passed four years ago. Um, LB50 was passed this last session. LB50 is a very uh, pretty large bill targeted toward criminal justice reforms, pushed, um, driven directly by Senator Wayne, a couple of others, um, the Judiciary Committee negotiating with prosecutors and the Attorney General's office and others about what they can do. And the piece inside of that package that seems to be under fire is one that talks about what's called, referred to as geriatric parole. Um, and this is a, that's an idea that's been talked about for years, you know, for as long as I've been around the legislature, for the last decade or so. Um, and geriatric parole looks at folks, all right, so you commit a crime when you're 40 years old and you're sentenced to, you know, two consecutive 40-year sentences or life in prison or whatever. You get to a certain age where, you know, you're, you're elderly, you're in a state prison, we're spending tons of money um, on everything from your health care to whatever because you're in your older years and you're no longer arguably um, maybe don't pose a threat to society sort of a thing. So, and I, I can tell you firsthand too, Jack, I've seen a, there's an entire wing in some of these penitentiaries where it's their hospital rooms essentially for wow. prisoners um, who are in their older years who are receiving medical treatment and those sorts of things. So I think the idea is, hey, at some point you get to a certain age we ought to consider whether we put you out of the prison system and into, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, which might be cheaper right. <laughs> in terms of care and cost than treating you for some of these conditions while you're in um, a penitentiary. So as they age, you get you become eligible at a certain age under the geriatric parole standard. The argument from the attorney general or the concern is that it, that those two provisions are unconstitutional because they can change a sentence or a different outcome for the for the crime kind of after you've been adjudicated or judged or have found to have been guilty of the crime, right? And there's it comes up a lot, but the constitutional argument is the only folks that can change a an outcome or a, a criminal sentence is the Board of Parole um, or the Board of Pardons, right, can pardon you for your crime. Um, but the Board of Parole is the only constitutional authority that can do that. And here, I think the argument is that the legislature is trying to change sentences after they're already implemented, right? Um, because that, that geriatric parole thing would apply to people who are currently in prison, who were sentenced several decades ago in some instances, mm -hmm. um, and it could change their ultimate sentence, how long they're in, in prison or not in prison, um, without having to go through the constitutional process. So, um the attorney general filed the action. I, I really think, too, and that's what I've been trying to piece this together, and I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody about it, but the mechanism for how this is asked, I think, is an interesting one, too. So, like, the, the, the attorney general is forced under the statute to sue the secretary of state then <laughs> because, and I think the language in the statute is the secretary of state has a duty to defend the statute, right? So if the attorney general believes it's unconstitutional, then he can sue the, he or she can sue the secretary of state. Then the secretary of state has a duty to defend the statute, whether they agree with the AG or not. Hmm. Um, and it kind of creates this weird procedural posture where you have two constitutional officers that have to fight it out. And I also thought it was really interesting and probably unfair for Bob Evnen, right? Secretary of state. He was like, look, I don't know. 
I, I don't disagree with the attorney general, but I have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but that or at least saying, look, it's my statutory obligation to defend this statute. That's interesting. And, and he could he could truly in his heart believe and in his in his legal opinion believe the AG is correct. Um, but he's forced to be the defendant in that action and it's it's just a weird procedural right. posture for us to resolve that question. Yeah. I mean his his name will be up there on I mean, this happens when you when when you're suing government agencies, like the names the names of the officials are on the line in at the heading yeah, of the know. cases sometimes. I'm pretty sure that caption is gonna be like State of Nebraska v. Evnan or yeah. it might be I don't know if it's Hild- I don't think it's Hilders v. Evnan. I think it could be State of Nebraska v. Oh Bob Evnan in his capacity as Secretary of so, State. Uh so the critiques have been essentially one, well, hey, you voted for this when you were in the legislature and now you're going against it, and so that's hypocritical. And and then number two, it's hey, oh, is isn't this convenient timing? It's when the announcement of the new prison is happening, and so you've got to be able to justify those expenditures by keeping the population up. What are you what are you and and I guess are you hearing any other kind of blowback to this as well beyond those things? Well, I mean, I've seen the comments in the paper. I haven't, I guess I haven't heard directly from anybody in terms of criticism, but so, I mean, obviously Mike, Mike Hilgers, current attorney general, you know, former state senator, former speaker of the legislature, fairly supported LB 686 when it passed in 2019, um, the deferred judgment piece that's under question. I don't, Look, I get, I get the. It's pretty easy to like point the finger and say, "Look, you voted for it once. You were fine with it while you're in the legislature. Now you're not." I think there's a little bit more gray area, legal nuance that goes on here. Um, I'm sure it's been brought to his attention now as AG that there are people out there or judges out there. Actually, I feel like there's a Madison County judge or something that just ruled that it was unconstitutional, which is kind of what brought hmm. the question up. Okay. Um, and then, and so you have this like. You have this question like, hey, I'm, an, I'm a state senator. I'm given what's in front of me. A bunch of states do deferred judgment. And then the question gets put before you as AG, hey, this might not be constitutional. Let's take a look at it. I don't think that's any indication of flip-flopping, so to speak, or what he's sort of being accused of um, in some of the comments. I get, that that's, I get that that's a response, but I do think there's some legal nuance here that you have to give some credence to as you transition from being a state senator making policy decisions to kind of being the legal um, leader, I guess, from a statutory standpoint of of the in the AG's position. So I don't, I guess, I don't give much cre- credence to that criticism. I don't think it's as much of a flip flop. Um, I don't. I also don't know. I think one of the news articles said that the AG's office helped negotiate LB fifty. I'm not in any of those conversations. Obviously, um, was not active on the bill. There was discussion around the Capitol about what the AG's position was. And I, as I recall it, I think the, and the floor debate and those sorts of things, the AG's office was neutral on the legislation or was not opposed. I don't, don't know if either of those make a difference and I don't want to put words in people's mouths, but I sort of remember that talking point um, as it was, as LB 50 was working its way through the process. So it's, it's sort of tough to know. Um, it is kind of hard when you have, when you're coming in in the 11th hour and, to some extent, the AG's office has taken a position, you know, once the bill is effective more than is it maybe going to pass. Um, so there's a, there's some interesting question on that, I think. But at the end of the day, you're just asking the court to make the decision here as to whether or not this thing is good or bad. Um, or and it, the, the whole real question for me, Jack, will be, I think the constitutionality will only apply to those pieces, right? 
So if they strike it down, it's a severability question um, for the rest that of the lawyers yeah. talk about. And I don't, I don't know enough about that jurisprudence to know whether is the entirety of LB fifty on the line or is it just the geriatric parole piece? Yeah. Well, and what else? I mean, what what all else would that impact if it would be impacted? What what was in that bill beyond these things? Uh, that bill has a number of pieces that deal with like different levels of crimes and those okay. sorts of things too. So. It's a pretty broad, broad reform piece. Um, I think anybody would tell you it's one of the bigger reform, criminal justice reform things we've had in, you know, eight, ten years or something like that. Um, it kind of takes, makes some moves towards some of the suggestions that different consultants have come in and said the state needs to look at if we want to deal with our overcrowding issues. Yeah. Um, but there, I mean, the County Attorneys Association opposed LB50. Uh, to the end, um, there were senators that, that, you know, more or less filibustered it, um, that raised concerns and disagreed with LB50 and didn't vote for it and passed unanimously. Um, so yeah. some consternation over it. And then the interesting thing here, Senator Wayne says, look, if this is struck down, I have to go because I'm out of time. But we'll, I'll, I think we should look at other you know, problem solving court, like drug court and those sorts of things. Um, and whether or not they'd be constitutionally suspect, I think he's making a point by doing that. And I don't suspect that there'd be a lot of support for doing that, but that could be the next, you know, the next chapter in this whole thing. So he's definitely threatened to look at other, other things. Um, if we're going to be constitutional, let's be constitutional. I, Problem-solving courts are effective and have been in place for a long time now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think I know. that would be met with some opposition. That's what I thought, too. Yep. All right, I got to run, Tim. Appreciate the time. We will check in with you next week, all right? See you, Jack. Take care. Tim Roos, uh, talking Nebraska News and Politics with us at 825 on KLIN. When you're thinking Huskers. Guns toward the end zone, passes, but touchdown! Think 1,499-3, KLIN. Fred Anderson. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIF. All right, it is 839. Welcome back LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN, October 9th, 2023. 42, is it still 42 degrees only out there? Crisp. Yeesh. All right, 42 degrees. As I, as I said earlier in the show, I like today, tomorrow, these are the days that, that I was... I and I think many people were very much looking forward to uh, fall weather-wise. We only get a couple of them, it looks like, because Wednesday... Well, Wednesday, you're probably just going to have have a decent amount of rain, which isn't bad. Not not a bad thing altogether. Temperatures are still going to be pretty decent. Um, but then what's going to happen here, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, is that uh, cold front's going to come in, and then north winds like crazy... Uh, over the course of of next weekend, which look the fifty the fifty three degrees the fifty five degrees totally fine, totally fine with that. Enjoy that. I embrace that. It's just uh, man, that that wind just kind of ruins mm-hmm. it. It feels like oh, yeah. so. That's what we're gonna be. So we're gonna be having for the next several days. Uh, normally joined by. Mike Schaefer here from uh, Husker twenty four seven. He uh, he's uh, unavailable today, and so we'll get back with him. Of course, on on Friday, we will still do a Friday Husker uh, tailgate this week on the bye week with uh, with Mike here, and uh, look forward to that. We hey, nobody's I mean, thinking about their job eight days before a Husker football <laughs> right. game. I mean, you may never at some point if you're not thinking about your job all those times, maybe time to find a new job. It is a good market for potential job seekers. 
right now. Uh, the nice thing is, Caleb, unlike last week, you won't have to throw away helmet stickers. Uh, oh, yeah, so I've got you'll plenty. Actually, you'll actually have plenty of uh, matter opportunities. Fact, I wish there. I would have been able to bank a couple of them yeah. from the week before. Yeah. We've had some good ones this week. You'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a lot more of a, uh, of a challenge here with this thing. Um, it, let's, let's go through here real quick, because I wanted to do this with, with Mike anyway. So let's, let's do this right here now and just take a look now at the rest of the schedule next year or excuse me this year for for Nebraska and we talked pretty extensively earlier in the show about internally about what Nebraska's got to do to address the issues that they've got here at this point in the season and it's not a real mystery after that game uh it's it, it it's turnovers it's it's mistakes it's you know the inability to to pull away from in that game. You still got the win. There were still obviously some very good things happening, especially defensively, mm-hmm. that you were able to get the win. But we talked pretty extensively already about the issues that exist, how you write them, who you play at quarterback in order to write them those sorts of things. But let's also be realistic about the you know the path going forward now. And I don't think. I, I, I want to make it clear. It should be obvious at this point that after the last several years, there is no game that I look at anymore and say automatic win. I, I mean, I just I, I've, I've got to say that out at the outset just to be be clear about that. Even if I think Nebraska should win it or Nebraska will be favored, I was there for Georgia Southern. I was there for Northern Illinois. I was uh, watching when Minnesota had half its team out for COVID um, and lost. I mean, you you could pick your favorite, your favorite game where Nebraska was significantly a favorite and uh, Troy. There's another one. I mean, keep, you can go through and and pick several of them. There's no show up and it's a W. So, so I just want to get that out of the way first. So we can at least have the conversation about what is possible because Let's be completely honest. Some of some of the issues that the team has can be, if you manage them correctly, you can still have some success this year mm-hmm. that maybe you wouldn't otherwise with the issues and the injuries that are there and the, the the everything that's going along with that season. So you've got the week off, obviously, this week, and then you've got Northwestern coming in. Against uh, against Nebraska in Lincoln, okay. Mm-hmm. Northwestern just had a, a kind of a battle with a FCS team in Howard. Now they did beat Minnesota that Nebraska did not. They had to come back. And they yeah, came back and, and beat Minnesota. So I mean, so there there is some life there in that in that team. There was a part of me that thought Caleb when this season started that they were going to that that program was going to be so ravaged mm-hmm. by everything that went down right um with the uh, with the Pat Fitzgerald stuff that they were g- going to be almost non-functional this year and they've definitely had their problems but they weren't going to be and, and because they weren't going to be a great team coming in anyway mm-hmm. even if Fitzgerald stayed around uh but the the ability to to get that win you know kind of held it held it sort of close with Penn State in the first half of that game i mean they've got they've got I wondered if they would have almost no pulse. They've got a little. They've got a little bit of well, one here. Enough. Enough for me. Again, not to chalk anything up. Yeah, basically. enough to be curious. You know, and it's a year ago they went one and eleven. They won zero games in the continental United States. Right. Yeah. But so, this year, through six, 
They've got three wins. Right. Like I know I know everyone's talking about Colorado and well, they've got this many more wins than last year and they only had one. Northwestern, yeah, like they're not gonna be a world beater, but they have got a couple of wins. And that means they've got guys who this year with this specific team have experience winning football games and a Big Ten win on top of that against Minnesota. So I th- you're going to see a, a really big, uh, a bigger number than Nebraska will have for any of their other games this year. Yeah, but but it's, it's no, it's still not a guarantee. No, on, on, Again, on anything you make mistakes, right? You 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 make mistakes on offense. Um, enough of them, and it doesn't take much. It, it it doesn't take much if the the defense has to almost be perfect if if you're not that. So I'll say this um, for Nebraska's defense though: there's also the potential that they shut out Northwestern. Potentially, yeah, yeah, it, it it could be there. Northwestern in their in their they only had seven against Rutgers, uh, scored thirty eight against UTEP, scored fourteen against a pretty good Duke team, uh, scored thirty seven against Minnesota in overtime, put up thirteen on Penn State, and then won by a field goal against Howard. Uh, with 23 points. So, yeah, I, we'll see. And we'll delve more specifically into them going forward. But you, you've got that game, and then you've got Purdue coming in. And Purdue, um, you know, their kind of their big moment, uh, at least recently, was beating the Illinois team that Nebraska just beat pretty pretty resoundingly. And they've got their former defensive coordinator over there as well. Yeah, but 44-19. They, they just dropped one against against Iowa. They probably feel like they should have won that one mm-hmm. against Iowa. And so, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities, not necessarily in style and the way that games are being won and lost, but a lot of similarities in terms of perhaps the the disappointment that's there as well. And then you've got Michigan State, mm-hmm. and they lost their coach during this year. Who got fired, and they've struggled since then. You look at what Michigan State has done this year. As you're looking ahead on this schedule, right? They they won their opening game when they still had still had uh, the coach there. They won that 31-7, beat Richmond, an, an FCS team, 45-14. Since then, uh, coach was fired that week, right after the Richmond game. Yeah, uh, they've lost 41 to seven to Washington. Good, very good team. 31 to nine to Maryland. At home, pretty good team, and then lost that game to Iowa that perhaps they they should have won, gave up the punt return, lost twenty six sixteen. It'll be interesting to see. They go to Rutgers on Saturday, Caleb. Mm-hmm. Will be interesting to see kind of where they're at on, for that one. I mean, look at look at what they've got. Actually, they're in the time between now and when they play Nebraska. They go to Rutgers. They have Michigan at home. They go to Minnesota. Uh, and then they've got Nebraska at home before they've got Ohio State the next week after that one. Yeah, so they got a little bit be, of a rough stretch yeah, here. They're they're going to be going through a lot of stuff, and so just just focusing on the, those three games again, I I I feel like if Nebraska can have their defense do roughly what they've been doing, mm-hmm. and they do not make just. Backbreaking mistakes on offense. They had the mistakes. They weren't necessarily backbreaking this week, but in some games they will. Turnovers and penalties. If they can avoid those, even if they're not, you know, even if they're not lighting up the scoreboard with the offense, even if they're not, you know, railing off big plays. Those are all three teams that you actually can't like. You can't beat Michigan that way now, right? You can't, right? You can't. You may not be able to beat Maryland that way, but all of these three teams. I think you can. Mm-hmm. You can't. But, but none of that is a given there. And if you do that, 
if you were able to do that, it'll be interesting what the sort of the feel around the program would be if they did that. Okay, and I know I'm putting the cart ahead of the horse here a little bit, but what would the feeling be around the program if they beat those three teams, um, maybe favored in two of the three or all three mm-hmm. uh, in those games? I but, think it'll be two of the three. But, I think Purdue will be favored. In Lincoln? Yeah. We'll see. I'm not sure. I I honestly don't know, but close to mm-hmm. close to that. You get all three, and you're bowl eligible there at that point with three games left to go. Yeah, you're six and three. You've got this weird. You've got this weird mix of, and especially if they all kind of look like that Illinois game, you would have this weird mix of. Hey, they got where not a lot of people thought they were going to be in terms of a record, mm-hmm. but they probably didn't do it in a way that at least some fans liked. <laughs> stylistically and 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 part of it, I just don't know I can't tell I would think there would be general you know some real happiness about that but just the reaction to the game on Friday was you you listened to the call and shows you looked at the internet it was it was still largely one where people were really reluctant to to get too happy about it because of the current concerns that they have going forward mm-hmm. I, I wonder if that'll change after three more wins, to be honest. Well, you, I don't you, even know. you haven't put together three wins in a row in several years. So if you were to come out of this and go four in a row and you're bowl eligible and there's three games to go against what has been a pretty tough Maryland team. They 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 were they were hanging right there yeah. with Ohio yeah. State for a long time and then Ohio State really kind of pulled away by about twenty at the end. And then you've got Wisconsin and Iowa. To close things out, you've got to you've got to really like your chances to at least split with Wisconsin and Iowa, right? Yeah. So if you're sitting at six and three, you would have had to that point only one Big Ten loss. Yep. You're in the division race. Yeah. Which, by the way, I don't know if anybody wants to win the West this right. year. To I, be I, I, I saw someone say <laughs> the real winner of the West is whoever gets second. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> just because of you know the matchup that you're probably going to get afterwards, but nonetheless, of course, that would be that would be something that was I think very very. I mean, nobody nobody would have been talking. And you're still putting the cart way ahead of the right, horse, right, right, at this right point for sure. To even talk about that, but if if you did get up with that six win six wins at that point, that would be a part of the conversation. You'd at least control your own destiny um, in that in that situation, which would be big. So, by the way, I did look back to my my predictions before the season. Yes. And I did, did you go ha- game by game? I had I went game by game. And I did have Nebraska three and three at this point in the season. Jeff, Colorado and Illinois flipped? I believe if I go back to my first picks here, I had Nebraska. That's what I would have had. I had Nebraska losing to Minnesota, beating Colorado. Yeah. Uh get the other two non conference wins, losing to Michigan and losing, losing to, to Illinois, Illinois. To make it three and three. Yeah. Yep. So I I had those two flipped. I did too. Yeah, I I did too. So, um, well, uh, <laughs> but this feels good. Like you're you're still on the right track for for a lot of people that picked six and six or seven and five, even the five and sevens. Like you're you're right there. Yeah, I I think there is for me at least. You know, everybody can disagree and fan the way that they want to. I believe there is inherent joy in just not going through the process of losing. Like for me, there is inherent no matter what happens, just not going through that that process and that slog mm-hmm. of losing and hopefully avoiding that for the late late part of this season where it just it ends up feeling completely meaningless in terms of the games that you're playing because you've already missed out on a chance at a bowl you've already missed out a chance at the mm-hmm. division all of those sorts of things if we could have a november that does not feel that way that alone for me would be reason for celebration even if 
even if the offense <laughs> is not completely dynamic. And well, maybe maybe it'll feel different by well, that Well, we'll talk about the the last month, though, for Nebraska. Yeah, you, you had things not go well the first two weeks on the road, Power 5 teams, one in the one in the division and the other one in old rival. But you've gone three out of four. Yeah. And the one you lost is to the number two team in the country. Right. Like, like a team that you go, hey, program's not there yet. But you won the other three over yeah. the last month. Man, and to, to even add on to it, God, that Minnesota game is just, every, with every week it's going to burn more. It's going to burn uh-huh. more. <laughs> because, yeah, you really want to get crazy and say, well, they're doing well, even if though they haven't played incredibly well, very easily could add one more win to that thing and then be at, I mean, then be two wins away mm-hmm. at this point from the six wins. Or don't let things snowball in Boulder. Yeah, yeah, ifs and buts, ifs and buts. <laughs> All right, so uh, there's a little there's a little look ahead at what we've got after the bye week and, and we'll be talking about an opportunity for Nebraska, opportunity for for Nebraska to just get on the winning side multiple times in a row, which that alone, no matter who the opponent, mm-hmm. that has not happened for for years to do it three times in a row. All right, it's eight fifty four. We'll take a break. Wrap up the show after this on KLIN. You're listening to LNK today with Jack and Friends on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right, do we uh, do we get our fantasy Oscars yeah, pick in yet? We've got I'm curious who uh, our picker picked Penn State. That's still who I would go. So with. the uh, the first picker Ben took number ten USC at twenty one Notre Dame. So number one USC. Debbie says she wants number eleven Alabama. She wants Alabama. Arkansas. Could be, could be. Like I said, they're really. I mean, there are legit ten decent candidates, and if you missed it. Fantasy Oscars this week on the bye week. We are uh, letting you adopt a team from the top 25 that will be the highest scoring team that will score the most points. So you want to look at matchups. You obviously want to pick teams that are going to, you know, known for scoring a lot of points and, and look at that thing. So there's still a lot of good, good. Mm-hmm. My, I mean, my, I think my top pick is still up there. I think I'd still go, I think I would still probably go Penn State, even though I kind of think they might take the foot off the gas because they're going to feel bad for UMass in that game. But yeah. We'll see. It'll probably be some weird 3-4 overtime game in the SEC or Pac-12 that ends up winning that thing. <laughs> so you can listen tomorrow for your chance to get in on those. What, like, maybe like or- Oregon-Washington? Yeah, yeah, that would be one. It's top 10 matchup. Yep, that would be one that could go crazy. Like a Washington State plays somebody that I think that that that's possible too. By the way, Let's it's see. most points scored. They don't have to necessarily win. That's true. They wouldn't, yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah. So think Tennessee, most, most points Texas, scored out of the ten that are picked. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tennessee, Texas A and M. Yeah, that could be big too. Yep. There's a lot of choices. There are a lot, a lot of choices. So you get to pick a new team for one week. Uh, all right. Tomorrow on the show, it is a Tuesday morning, so that means we will have uh, Joe Jordan here talking News Channel Nebraska, Nebraska news and politics with him. We will also have John Baylor joining us as well. Uh, talking a little Nebraska volleyball, we didn't we didn't hit that a ton this week, but you know, kind of kind of quietly going lost a set again this week, but got a couple got both of the matches. That first set against yeah. Michigan was they they were slow Friday, but and then a little bit slow Saturday, but hey, came out. It's yeah, you, I wonder if the, a part of that is there's got to be so much focus on hard not to focus, I should say, on that Wisconsin match that's coming up because. 
they have been the thorn in your side for a long time, and they are number one, and you are number two here. So, twelve days out from that one, got a ways to go. Got a ways to go with that. So, we'll talk to John Baylor about that and more. Obviously, all the uh, all the morning's latest news. A little bit, little bit later this week, we will have uh, what chap tried Wednesday. Uh, we're going to take a week off from Generation Collaboration. Mark is going to be out this week, but we will get to that next week. And uh, then, of course, the bye week Friday Husker tailgate is coming up as well. So that's all coming up. All right, we're going to leave you at 42 degrees in the capital city. It's 9 o'clock on KLIN Lincoln.